0: A local Virginia girl, raised Christian in a hardcore household, evolved and grew into a beautiful agnostic. Now she interviews people and talks about Bible stories. This is Brittany's Bible stories. <laughs>
1: Something like that.
0: This is Bible stories with Brittany, the Bible stories you know told wrong. I was raised in a conservative Christian household, homeschool for about eight years. Then I went to a private Christian school. That wasn't really my vibe. Now I'm kind of going back over a lot of the stories that I remember, and this week we're all about Jesus. We're back on the Jesus. That's right. This week our special guest is Andy, our local well, not really local, formerly local, now a Colorado boy, living in the mountains. Uh, how are you doing today, Andy?
1: I'm doing well. You know, I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller, so uh, thanks for having me on the show.
0: (laughs) Excellent. So, tell us about your uh, upbringing in terms of Christianity.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, So, my mom's side of the family is Catholic. Mm -hmm. She married my dad, who is nothing, Um, (laughs) and they decided on Methodist because that was the easiest entry point into Christianity for Mm -hmm. my dad. So I was raised with, you know, the good old Christian morals, Um, went to church until I was about four and then kind of stopped going, got back into it, kind of dabbled my toe in Catholicism again, or like in my teenage years, and then kind of fell out of it because, you know, dating a girl and then wasn't dating (laughs) that girl anymore. So, you know, I have some experience with the stories, but not really a ton, mainly just the morals. Yeah, that Um, makes
0: sense. I mean, what would you say your current beliefs are?
1: Yeah. um, So I'm more agnostic, kind of like universalism kind of thing of like Mm. everyone's connected and like there's some sort of uh, structure to this all in universe, but I can't explain what any of it is. And I'm kind of like in the boat of I have a higher power and like that higher power is like the mountains for me because they've been around for so long Mm. and they really bring me a lot of peace when I look at them. And so for me, I live in Colorado and I get to look out my window and see them all the time so that's so it's really nice. great. i
0: love i love that a good mountain view like that is mm. that is like nature for me is like definitely very spiritual you know like you can look at mm-hmm. these like the waves like i loved when i lived next to the beach and you just see the waves and it's like even if i don't really believe in a god i'm like that has to be god right there that ocean <laughs> <laughs> like it's the only right, thing yeah. that makes sense <laughs> so so in terms of like a lot of the parables that we're going to be starting off today it's just kind of like Jesus just goes up to mountains since we're talking about mountains and he just kind of yeah. rambles about like what he thinks and he never tells people directly and like that kind of annoys me a little bit cuz i'm like he just he just get to the point he just tell us what you're trying to say he always just dances around it never quite never quite says it i'm just like just say it that's Is that how where he the rolls. song
1: comes from the go tell it on a mountain <laughs>
0: That's someone yelling at Jesus, being like, be direct, man. Say what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) No, so we're going to start off with the parable of the weeds. So the parable of the weeds is all about the kingdom of heaven. So a man sows seeds in his field while he's sleeping. An enemy, I don't know what enemy, but an enemy sows weeds among the wheat. The man pulls up the weeds first and burns them and then pulls up the wheat. So I think it's supposed to be, like, a metaphor about the end times, which is saying, like, God is going to come down and pull out the weeds first and then, like, harvest the good wheat.
1: Oh, so, like, the rapture kind of.
0: Yeah, that's what I think it's about. Like, once again, Jesus doesn't say directly. He just kind of says this parable and you're like, hmm, that's a thinker. Uh, So (laughs) the next one is a woman loses one silver coin, uh, even though she has ten. And she carefully searches for it and then rejoices when she finds it. So this one is another one where it's like about you have 10 good people, but you rejoice when you find like the one that's been missing because it's like a a sinner being brought into the fold. So following in that line, you have two sons, a younger and an older son. The younger son has an inheritance and he squanders it. He goes out, he lives it up, he spends all of his money and he comes back starving So the father welcomes him back. Well, not the prodigal son. We talked about that Mm. prodigal son on the last episode. But this episode, it's the same story, but told different. (laughs) Like, I'm not, like, the Bible, I think, um, because, like, this is, like, a a compilation of, like, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So, like, all four of those books of the Bible, they all have, like, a, uh, like, completely, like, following the same format as each other. So they all have slightly different stories or the same stories, but in slightly different orders. So it's like Mm. some things that Jesus supposedly did are in like the wrong order from different books, but then other stories they are in the same book, but in two different ways. So like, it'll have the prodigal son and then it will also have this story about the younger and the older. Cause I think they're trying to make like two different points, or at least Jesus is not very creative and using the same story twice. Hmm. Yeah, because it's like, for this one, it's like, younger squanders his inherited, comes back, father welcomes him back, but the elder is son, and the father is saying that my son is lost and found, the so I'm really excited, so that's why the older son isn't getting shit. And, like, that seems like a super perverse incentive to me, because it's basically, unlike the prodigal son, there's another son whose stuff is being taken away because the younger one has returned, and the father is really yeah. happy, so it's like... There's like some Constantine shit, you know, where, like, Constantine waited until the end of his life to get baptized so he could get into the kingdom of heaven after doing a bunch of sins. So it's like, why don't I just go squander my money and then I'll come back and get more money when I'm repentant?
1: Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Checks out.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, easy min-max situation to get the most.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would do the same thing.
0: Exactly. It's one of those things where it's like, if you think that, God forgives you of all of your sins no matter what, then why not one of those sins being (laughs) pre-planning getting your (laughs) sins forgiven? makes sense to me. You know, there's like the famous one where Jesus takes the fish on uh, near the water and he like doubles the fish and the bread for feeding like the 5,000. So he he, this isn't a one trick pony. He does that again where he goes out to teach people and he has 4,000 people and then he sends out the bread and the fish, and he gets back seven baskets of like leftovers from doubling like the fish and bread. And it's like, but we just we just had this story, we just had this parable, and now you're telling us again. Is this just what Jesus does? Is this like a normal miracle? He just doubles fish and bread. Yeah, he
1: wasn't a baker. I mean, we know he was a carpenter, right? So
0: yeah, but I'm wondering like how good of a carpenter could he have seriously been? You know? <laughs> like he never uses his carpenter skills. He never mentions it. It's like really not like his father also like never gets mentioned. Like after he's like born, he's like, Oh, you know, this is what Joseph did. Joseph is pretty much never mentioned again while Jesus' mother like comes up again later and I'm like, Did he die and no one said anything about Joseph mm. just passing away?
1: I mean, maybe Jesus became the son of God because he was such a bad carpenter. You know, he had to settle <laughs>
0: I mean, that checks out to me. I mean, carpentry is very hard. I have a lot of respect for carpenters. I imagine oh, it's a lot, a lot easier just to be like a wandering man being like, hey, I'm great. <laughs> you know, I'd be excited though. If I like went out to like hear some dude talk and I got like a free meal and just a bunch of leftovers, I'd be like, this dude's swell. He's
1: doing right by me. I mean, you're basically describing grad school. <laughs>
0: Yo, if I wish I had done grad school in per like in person, that I could have gotten a bunch of free food. Instead, they keep like mailing me like trash with my school's <laughs> logo on it, and I'm like, I don't want this. Send oh. me pizza.
1: I mean, that's the only incentive. Is if you get a meal, like I'm gonna go probably. So, I mean, I get why people were so enticed by Jesus.
0: Mm, yeah. I mean, I think that's uh, that's the, really the flaw with communion, you know? It's only a little sip of wine and a little bite mm. of bread. If they made it, like, a real meal, I bet you could get some more people to come to church. Mm. Like, uh, what is it? A uh, uh, Not Monday, Tuesday. Yeah, it is. Like, Monday, Tuesday, when they have, like, the pancake, like, Fat Tuesday, like, before Lent, they get, like... Right. To get, like, all the pancakes out. I always loved that. Even after I stopped being a Christian, I'd be like, "Mmm, I want some pancakes. It's Tuesday. It's a good day for pancakes. Get fit. It
1: always is a good day for pancakes.
0: Some days are, are, you feel it more, you know? Like, some days you just, like, have that smell in the air. You're like, mm, there's an IHOP nearby. Mm, I know
1: Must it. be Mardi Gras. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes, Mardi Gras is a fun time. I would love to go to like real Mardi Gras at some point because I've never really done it. I've always done like church, church stuff, but never like the real debauchery <laughs> for <laughs> Mardi Gras. Give me some beads. Yeah. I want those beads.
1: I'm sure that's not what was intended originally, but um, hey turned out pretty pretty awesome. I
0: mean, I think it's pretty great, but I mean like if you look at Easter, like Easter wasn't like a planned celebration. It's just something that kind of like came about where there were like some dude in like 500 was like, "I think Easter's then." And it's like, "Okay, <laughs> I guess we're all going to celebrate Easter then." And it's like, "Why do we even celebrate Lent?" Nowhere in the Bible does it say celebrate Lent. It's just like, "Hey, Jesus was out in the desert for like 40 days." So you're going to have to give up meat for 40 days. And it's like, what? <laughs> Where did that yeah, come I don't,
1: from? I don't know. And then I, I'm always confused on like when Easter is. Mm-hmm. You know? um, yeah.
0: Because that's, cause that's the, the other thing is it's like so different versions of Christianity have Easter on different days. Right. So like in the Ethiopian church, Easter is like on the Eastern Orthodox calendar. So it's like a week or two like ahead of time. And their Christmas is also on a different date? I don't know. There's no way of knowing when these things actually happen. But it's like one of those things where it's like, okay, so Easter is on the lunar calendar. So it's always moving around every year. But Christmas, always on the same day. It doesn't follow the lunar calendar. And I'm like, why? Why is one on the lunar and one isn't? Like, Hanukkah's on the lunar calendar. Like, that makes sense to me. If mm-hmm. we could just, like, get together with all the Jewish people and, like, plan this thing out.
1: <laughs> yeah. they
0: could it would make a lot I mean, more would- sense.
1: It would make a lot more sense i agree it's just hard to you know tell because sometimes it's and the same day and sometimes you're like all right well it suddenly it's april and it's easter soon yeah but we don't know when
0: yeah <laughs> or like the worst uh easter that i had when i was a kid it snowed because it was like early march and i was like what is this it's this is not supposed <laughs> to snow on easter it's supposed to snow on christmas and it didn't snow on christmas and it snowed on easter and i was like no no <laughs> Thanks for nothing, climate change. You ruined another perfectly good holiday. In the church, according to Jesus, is if someone fucks up and does a no-no, then the person who thinks they've done a no-no is supposed to go to them alone and talk to them about it and be like, hey, that was a bad thing you did. And if the person still doesn't ask for forgiveness, then you're supposed to take 12 others with you to, like, talk to them again. And if the person still doesn't, like, apologize, then you're supposed to tell the whole church. And if they still don't do anything, then you're supposed to treat them like a pagan or a tax collector. And I'm like, I hope that's very nicely, because those people deserve respect, too.
1: But (laughs) They do, I agree.
0: Yeah, they're just regular people. Like, tax collectors, like, you know, we should fund the IRS better. Like, that's all I'm saying. They really had some tax collector hate. Uh, So the line that I like from this is, bind on earth as is bound in heaven and loose on earth as is loose in heaven. So it's basically saying, like, basically, if you do something shitty on earth, then it's going to get bound in heaven. And if you do something loose on earth, it's going to be loose in heaven. So it's, like, you got to keep all things equal. And then it says, forgive not seven times, but 77 times. So it's, like, whew, those are some good messages. But the whole thing about treating them like a pagan or tax collector, I could have passed up on. So the next one is about a master and a servant. The master forgives the servant for money that he owes the master. And he the master could have sold the servant and his entire family into slavery for this debt. So the servant is, like, all grateful, but then he goes out and he finds another servant who owes the first servant money, even though it's much, much less relative to what the master forgave him for. And he demands Mm -hmm. to be paid, and the man can't pay. So then the the first servant throws the second servant into prison. And when the first servant's master hears about this, he gets really pissed and sends the original servant into jail. So basically, don't be a dick to people worse off than you. (laughs) So there's another line that I really like that Jesus says here, which is, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who was rich to enter the kingdom of God. like, there we go. That's that socialism I want to hear more about from you, Jesus. Like, give me more of that stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, Uh, he was a big old socialist.
0: Dude, I thought that at first, but then the more I've been reading of Jesus's words, I'm like, I don't know about that. I think he's like whatever the opposite of a libertarian is. (laughs) Because he's like, he's like kind of like, I don't know. I don't know, because he's like, he definitely believes in government in a way that a libertarian would not be okay with but he's also like very morally like upright in a lot of ways and he like definitely mm. believes in like a lot of like very not authoritarian but he's like just very he's a very strict dude in a lot of ways where he's like very spiritual but like in terms of things on the earth he's definitely not a socialist hmm. oh more on that later but uh
1: <laughs> so <laughs> So for our Jesus, listeners at home, that's, that's at later home. down the line.
0: Exactly. So Jesus is, like, chilling out. He's still teaching. He's just been predicting his death multiple times just so he can do a big I told you so later. So at this point in time in the Bible, he predicts his death a third time. He's just, like, healing blind people pretty much in between, like, all of his teachings and parables. He's just, like, healing blind mm-hmm. people on the side, you know, just as, like, a side gig, not a big deal. <laughs> and Right, yeah. All right, so he's, he's doing some of his normal teaching, and then there's this little man named Zacharias. So Zacharias wants to hear what this Jesus dude is up to, but he's very tiny. He's just a short little man, and he's a tax collector, and no one likes him. He's just what everyone hates most. So he's trying to hear what Jesus is about, and people are just elbowing him out, not letting him get in to hear, because it's like... There is no, there are no mics. You just got to get close to listen. So he climbs up this sycamore tree to, like, see what Jesus and his deal is all about. Mm. So Jesus spots him up on this tree and is like, hey, buddy, get down here. I'm going to be staying at your house tonight. So (laughs) Zachy boy was, like, so thrilled that Jesus, like, spotted him and didn't treat him like shit. And he's like, I'm going to give half of my money to the poor. And then Jesus is like, nope. And then all the people who see this happening are like, what the fuck? Jesus is staying with the house of a sinner? Like, why is he staying in the house of a sinner? So Jesus is, like, using this dude to make a point that, I don't know, it's good to give money to the poor. And even if you're a tax collector, you should be treated like a human.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I guess. I I hope so. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So he, like, keeps teaching in this town because that's just how Jesus rolls Jesus is, like, really weirdly, like, anti-divorce, though. Like, in all four books of the Bible that I read for this, he's, like, very anti-divorce, where he says that you should never get a divorce for anything except adultery, which is, like, a bit much in my view, because there's, like, a lot of good reasons to get a divorce and, like, you know, marriage is forever, but not really. Like, adultery isn't even the worst thing that can happen to someone. It's like, what if someone beats you? I think you should definitely get a divorce if that's the case. I don't know. Yeah.
1: I mean, nowadays, absolutely. You know, in life expectancy back then, probably, you know, not just as waiting. forever.
0: Yeah. You're just waiting to outlive the person. You're like, you're 28, and you're like, what if I got two more years until yeah. we reach the average life expectancy? We got three.
1: Maybe tops, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I'll just hopefully do better next time because this ain't forever. but here's here's a parable that I think makes my point about why Jesus is is, is part of the capitalist system. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. so so there's this guy, he owns a vineyard, right? So he is pretty well off. So he rents out the vineyard to some other people to like live on it and like work the land. So then he goes there, even though they like pay rent on it, And he's demanding, like, all of the fruits of, like, their labor, basically. And they're like, no, fuck you. And they beat the shit out of him. And they end up killing him. And they kill his son. And, like... I don't think it's great to, like, do that kind of wanton murder. I'm not condoning the violence, but it's like, those are the people who are working the fields. They're the ones who are doing all of this. This dude's just, like, a rent-seeking landlord who's trying to take all of the labor they put into it. He didn't put into any labor. He just owned the land, and it's like, why should you get more than just the rent? But Jesus is all like, these people are bad and it's just wrong for them to to have done that they should have just given him all of their produce that they had made i'm like no that dude didn't mm. farm the land didn't grow the grapes didn't turn the grapes into wine what is that guy he, they didn't sign like a contract saying you could get all this wine get on board jesus interesting
1: well i so, mean jesus didn't really need you know that vineyard anyway because he could just turn water into wine So I'm sure his business was hurting after Jesus came along.
0: Probably. I mean, I feel like Jesus could have been such a party animal, but he definitely didn't want to mess up the whole, you know, economy of wine. Maybe that's why he didn't do it all the time. He definitely didn't want to ruin people's livelihoods. So there's, like, another uh, vineyard-based parable where a man goes out into the city and he starts hiring workers because he has a lot of work to do. So... He starts hiring a group of them at 9 a.m., another group at noon, another at 3, and then another at 5. So the first group, he says he's going to pay them a denarius, which I assume is like a 100 bucks or something. I don't know. And then he says he's going to pay everyone else what is fair. And then at the end of the day, he pays them all the same amount, even though some of them mm. worked eight hours or whatever, and some of them didn't. And the, mm. the workers who worked the longest, they start to grumble. And so Jesus is like, the first will be last, and the last will be first. And I say, that's, again, a really fucked up message. Like, everyone's time is valuable. Why should I work eight hours and get paid the same as someone who worked, like, five? Like, no, I should get more money for my time. We should all be paid the same hourly rate. I'd never work for that dude again.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't work for him, or at least trying to get the short shift.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it's just like... I think it's one of those things that's a metaphor about getting into the kingdom of heaven where you could be a Christian for a long time and then a Christian for a short time and it doesn't matter and you all get into the kingdom of heaven. You all get the same reward. But I would for sure be like the first people being like grumbling like, hey, I've been doing all this stupid stuff much longer. And they come in at the last second. All these like Constantine's getting baptized two minutes before the end times. How is that
1: fair? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I got my plan for end of life. We're good now.
0: So part of the next thing that he says is that um, whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. You cannot serve mm-hmm. both God and money, which is another thing I like. I like, like those quotes he says, but he has some other things that I'm like, no.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense, right? Like, if someone lies about something very small, they're probably going to lie about something bigger, generally. Like we've seen I seen it before. know
0: I mean I would lie about small things and big things so maybe I am the dishonest person but I think like there's <laughs> other like people who wouldn't lie about small things but definitely would lie about big things you know mm. or the opposite would lie about small things but wouldn't lie about big things I don't know I think it's it's, uh, it's a nice little message I like I like the you cannot serve both God and money because I think that's like a nice uh, way of saying money doesn't get you
1: into heaven Unless you like bury me with my money, like. Marry me with my money. <laughs> exactly.
0: Marry me with my money. <laughs> I mean, it's like the whole thing with like the sale of indulgences. It's like Jesus very directly was like, you can't buy your way into heaven. And then the Catholic Church was like, hey, but what if you buy these indulgences that'll totally help you and your dead loved ones get into heaven? It's like, what?
1: Pay your tithe. <laughs> yeah.
0: Pay 10%. If you pay anything less than 10%, you're not getting into heaven. Oh no. <laughs>
1: what a great money-making market oh my gosh this is great
0: yo we still don't know how much money the catholic church is worth because like everything they have is just not something we can like quantify where it's like they are their own country they are a city state we don't know anything about like their financial status we don't have any like evaluation on all their weird reliquity they have like I don't know. I'm gonna say a billion people (laughs) who are Catholics, Mm -hmm. like something like that. It's like the richest organization on this planet. Now, here's a fun fact. Well, the second richest like Abrahamic religion is the Mormons, who only have 14 million adherents, but Mm -hmm. they still have the second biggest amount of money, like in their their pool, because they're very serious about the 10% tithing, which is crazy. It's just like. So number one's Catholic Church and then the Mormons? Not even like huh. the Anglicans, the Mormons. Yeah, I mean, for sure, like the poorest groups have to be the ones who are like the least serious about tithes. Like Islamic religion has to be low down there because it's like Islam is all about like giving alms to the poor, not to like uh, mm. the mosque. So it's like rather than like the Catholic Church where you're supposed to give them money and then they decide how to like redistribute it to poor people.
1: Redistribute. In quotes.
0: Yeah, in in quotes redistribute to the Pope mobile. The Pope wants a new Pope mobile. He's got to get some <laughs> shiny new robes. Like he's not about these old ass robes. Got to get some fresh looks.
1: Yeah, we need a jet to spread spread our message.
0: Look. God wants me to have this jet. If God didn't want me to have this jet, I wouldn't have this jet. I can't be writing economy with all those demons and sinners putting their hands yeah. on me, asking me to pray for them. <laughs> I need mean, to be able to commune with yeah. God in peace in my own private jet.
1: Makes sense to me.
0: Ugh I hate I hate wealth gospel people. That's why I like those parts of the Bible where it's just like, no, get fucked. Get fucked about all your weird money shit. <laughs> Alright, so so we're kind of like transitioning out of like just the laundry list of parables and we're getting into like what what's going on in Jesus's world. So they're traveling around. They're like headed towards Jerusalem. He's got two of his broskies. He's got James and John. So they are off with Jesus separately and they're like, hey Jesus, we love you, we follow you, we do whatever you want. He's like, dope, love that. And they're like, what do we have to do to sit at your left and right hands in heaven? And Jesus is like, whoa, there, those places are already spoken for. You don't get to ask to be seated at my right and left hand. Uh, That's not cool. So, and then he does the same thing he's been saying. The first must be last and you must be a servant not to be served. And then the other 10 disciples find out that James and John asked for this and they get pissed they're like what the fuck you want to get like right why are you better than us why are you like the first amongst equals and it's just like a whole shit show and I'm like oof James and John fucked up Mm. so an interesting difference though is that that is how it is in the book of Mark in the book of Matthew though it's their mother because they're brothers who asks for James and John to be seated next to him on the right hand of God which is like an interesting difference I think The next portion is uh, like what I learned about and called like Palm Sunday growing up, which is like the Sunday before Easter. So Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on a donkey and all the people there are like shouting Hosanna and they've got like, you know, figs and shit. And he's got like, you know, the palm trees and they're all like real excited to see him coming in. Um, So Jesus gets down off of his donkey and he like, tries to pluck some figs from a tree but it isn't in season and they're all like green and gross. And so he curses the tree to never bear fruit again, which is like a really weird detail to like throw in this section where he's just like having a great day, curses a fig tree for not being in season, which isn't even the fig tree's mm. fault. It's just thrown in there. I'm like, this isn't this isn't like a metaphor. This is just straight up a weird story.
1: Yeah, poor tree. Oh my gosh, she's just trying yeah. its best out there.
0: It's just a tree. So so he, like, you know, keeps on going out. He, like, heads over to the temple. And so he's like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a dope-ass, like, time. We're in Jerusalem. You know, we're in the room where it happens at the temple. But he sees a bunch of people, like, buying and selling things. So people get, like, goats and ships or whatever. They got a bunch of critters, and they're, like, selling them for people to, like, give as sacrifices and, like, selling to each other. Jesus sees all this, and he gets so pissed off he like runs them out he overturns them their tables he calls them a den of robbers and he's just like this is not what the temple is supposed to be you're supposed to be focused on god and you got these people who are turning it into like a market so Mm. the chief priests see this and they're like real mad so they're like we need to kill this dude to get rid of this nuisance like he is overthrowing our whole economy it's not not okay And so they, like, come out and they start to, like, question him because Jesus is, like, starting to, like, teach in the temple and, like, talk about all of, like, those parables that I was going through. He's just, you know, doing his thing. So they question his authority and they're like, why are you able to come here and preach? Who are you? And Jesus says that he has the same authority as John's baptism. So this is, like, a really uh, tricky way he phrased it because... If the priests say that he doesn't have the same authority as John the Baptist, that means that it isn't of heavenly origin. So it's like this weird thing where they can't say it's from heaven and they can't say it's from human origin because that kind of screws them over both ways in terms of what they've said about John the Baptist in the past. So they just say Mm -hmm. that they don't know. And then Jesus is like, yeah, exactly. So you could fuck off if you don't know. I'm the one who's (laughs) going to tell you. And I'm like, damn, he's getting tricky. They keep trying to, like, trap him. They keep trying to ask him, like, tricky, tricky questions to get him to, like, say something to screw himself over. Right. So they ask if it's right to pay taxes. So this is the famous line Jesus says, "Um, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's give unto God what is God's. Like, he, he takes up a coin and he shows, like, Caesar's face on the coin. So he's basically saying, like, pay your taxes and just deal with it. Which, you know, is not okay. very libertarian. I don't think he's about that.
1: Yeah, he's for- kind of flip-flopping here. Uh, yeah, for sure. Shutting down markets, mm-hmm. anti-capitalism. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, but pay, pay your taxes. And-
0: they ask another, like, trick question because they just are full of these, like, really specific trick questions. So they say a woman is married and has no kids and her husband dies. She then marries the next son in the family. Cause that's like how it was done back then. So like the wife would stay in the family. So she marries the next son. He also dies and they have no kids and rinse and repeat until she goes through all of the brothers. And then she dies and there are no kids. So the trick question is whose wife is she? So then Jesus says, There is no marriage when the dead rise and they are like angels, which is definitely not what these priests were trying to get as an answer. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, okay, so he's all against adultery and all this other stuff. And he's basically saying it doesn't even matter when you get to heaven who you're married Mm -hmm. to. So it's like, wait a second, which is it? (laughs) So he has another like famous line where he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this: love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Just nice. I think it's like one of those things of like love God first and then treat <laughs> others well. It's like okay, you know, pretty pretty all right, I guess.
1: Yeah, just don't be an asshole, like, right?
0: Yeah. yeah, simple, simple, and like that's that's what always gets me is like people are always like ignoring the love your neighbor as yourself, and then so so, so we've got a few more parables, so. Is like, uh, you know, at the, the collection plate at like, you know, the temple, rich people put a lot in and a widow puts in a few pennies. And Jesus says she's given more than anyone else because she's poor and that's all she has to live off of. So it's basically, you know, commending people for giving like proportionately a lot versus rich people who are giving proportionately a little, mm. you know, like a little. So I think he's basically arguing for a progressive tax. <laughs> but
1: right. That's okay, my mean.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it just gives me, like, that 70%, like, top rate. I could get real into that. Mm. So Jesus starts to, like, predict just some really crazy shit about the end times and how everything's going to be fucky. And, like, he's saying that the day and hour are unknown. And, like, he doesn't even know when it's going to happen. So you have to be ready. So then he gives a metaphor about the end times. So this metaphor wigs me out. So he's talking how there are... Ten virgins, and they're waiting for one bridegroom, and so they have a bunch of oil in their lamps, and they're just waiting in the middle of the fucking night for this one dude to come and marry them. So half of them didn't bring enough oil, so they go out to buy more, and they miss the bridegroom when he comes while they're out buying more oil. So I'm like, wait this dude is just going to marry five ladies because they were prepared with a lot of oil, but you still can't get a divorce. And he says some other stuff where it's like, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. I'm like, yeah, that that checks out for me. But what about that one bridegroom? Like I get, that's a metaphor for like the end times, but can we please get an explanation? Yeah. Uh,
1: I, I think, you know, I I like the metaphor of, like, be prepared and, like, like, plan in advance, you know, because you might miss it, and also at the same time, you're right, like, what is, why a groom and marrying five people, like, are we going to be married to God? Is that, is that what's happening?
0: Yeah, so he's just, like, getting, getting all these, these, his last parables in, because he's always talking in parables, so... Uh, one of the, the Pharisees, which is, like, a sect of the Jews who, like, have some weird beliefs and, like, have a lot of power in, like, Judaism at the time. So this Pharisee is praising himself for, like, praying and, like, how great he is at praying. He does it, like, all publicly. And then Jesus says that a tax collector who says he's a sinner is the one who's going to heaven because he isn't, like, praising himself for, like, praying in public. And I'm like, yeah, that checks out. There's always a tax collector, just the worst person. Like, who are these tax collectors at the time? No one likes them. So then he has, like, another weird parable where he's saying, like, it's better to, like, invest your money than to, like, let it lie fallow. And, you know, you want to make sure you get your your twice your money back. And I was just like, wait, you were just saying that money's bad, but I guess you're telling me to dump all my money into Bitcoin. Like, that's what it sounds like to me. I would like Absolutely. to double my money.
1: <laughs> want to double your money real quick.
0: Yeah. I mean, all you got to do is, is to have a high risk tolerance. So, one of the first transactions with Bitcoin was in, like, 2009, 2010, where they bought a pizza for 10,000 Bitcoin. Mm. That would be millions of dollars today. Like, that has to be the most expensive pizza of all time.
1: Damn, Ugh. that probably was a super good pizza. I, it
0: probably it wasn't at the time, but I feel like in retrospect, they're probably, like, hyping it up more and more in their minds to, like, mm-hmm. justify that expense. Probably was, like, Domino's. All right. So so back to the priests. So so Passover is going to be in 2 days. Uh, but they don't they don't want to arrest Jesus and have like all the people riot during Passover. So Jesus is warning people like his death is coming and he's like trying to be like look out. So a woman is like really moved by all of his speaking. She she takes a jar of perfume that's worth a year's wages and she cracks it over his head and everyone is like freaking out because it's a lot of money and he's just doused in perfume but jesus is like this is my burial i smell great because that's like what you do with dead bodies you like put a bunch of perfume to hide like the rotting smell it's Mm -hmm. like oof, that's dark and now some ads can't find your keys parking spot seemed a lot bigger on the other side of the lot road signs kind of blurry maybe it's time to get new eyes with wobbly parker they say corrective eye surgery Instead of spending hundreds of dollars every year on optometrists and glasses, put yourself in thousands of dollars of debt to become an augmented human super supervision clear enough to realize your prescription was never really 2020 anyway. Go to wobblyparker.com and use offer code BibbleBritney when you're ready to surgically burn off a layer of your cornea for more money than your first car cost. All right, enough with the ads. Back to the show. So this is where like the action starts happening. Judas, one of the 12 uh, disciples, he goes to those priests who are looking to screw over Jesus. And he's like, hey, what would you give me for Jesus? And they're like, we'll give you 30 pieces of silver. And Judas is like, great. I'll be the lookout. Sounds perfect. So Jesus and all 12 of his broskies, they have Passover. So they do their whole thing, you know, the, the the cup and you're waiting for like moses whoever to come drink from the cup um and he does what exactly what you're talking about he washes their dirty nasty ass feet and says no servant is greater than his master and no messenger is greater than the one who sent him so it's like kind of a message about equality i guess not sure he also like straight up calls out that judas is gonna betray him he's like one of you is going to betray me, and it would be better for him if he had not been born. Just like, well, if you know this yeah. is going to happen, you could have just had him not, not be born if it's like, anyway. That just gets into like a weird predestination versus free choice mm-hmm. argument. So then they're eating their dope-ass meal, and Jesus takes the bread, and he gives thanks, and he breaks it, and he gives it to his disciples, and he says take and eat, this is my body. Then he takes a Mm -hmm. cup and he gives thanks and he gives it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Yes. Yeah, this is like This is the Last Supper, correct? Yes, this is is the Last Supper. That's like the dope-ass painting. It's why, you know, you go to any Christian communion, that's what they say. They repeat those lines. It doesn't matter what language, because this is where they take it from. Um, and so is
1: this on like a Thursday or is this like Ash Wednesday?
0: This So Ash Wednesday doesn't really occur in this part. So Ash Wednesday happens much earlier in terms of okay. like when Jesus is like tempted by the devil out in the, the desert. That was like from a, some earlier par- parables we were talking mm. about in the last episode. But there is nothing in the Bible that says celebrate Ash Wednesday by going to church on a Wednesday and putting some ash on your forehead. That's really nowhere in the Bible does it say that. It's just like a a tradition that the church came up with, just like he says to his disciples, take and eat. This is my body. Drink this. It's, you know, the forgiveness of sins. But he isn't saying do this every Sunday for the rest of your lives. Like at no point in time is he saying (laughs) like this is a thing you need to keep replicating. Like really, it's not even like everyone comes to listen to a pastor. Like this isn't like a formula. They're just having dinner and they're just eating bread and they're drinking wine. So it's like, Mm. yeah. Like if you look at like a lot of early Christians, they didn't really do communion the way that we currently do it. They just kind of like had a meal together, which seems pretty dope. Just hanging out and chatting. Yeah. So that, that's like the communion. That's like what's happening in like the upper room of like this, uh, in or whatever they're staying at. So at this meal, Jesus uh, predicts that Peter, one of his disciples, will deny that he knows Jesus three times that very night before the rooster crows. Peter claims that he won't. So this is on Thursday night. They go to Gethsemane to pray. And Jesus takes Peter and two other disciples to watch over him. But they fall asleep, which is like, you know, this dude is just asking you to watch him pray in like total silence for an hour. Like right after a big meal, I'm going to take a nap like there's no way I'm not conking out.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. And it's not even like he warned them like some some fucked up shit is happening. Be on your guard for these specific things. Like he was just saying, you know, watch over me. So it's like, okay, Uh, you know, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. That's just how things go. Uh, So he like wakes them up. They fall asleep. He wakes them up. They fall asleep. It's like a whole deal where he's like pissed at them that they keep falling asleep.
1: Okay. So, I mean, they drank wine, right? Like
0: Oh, you know they drank wine.
1: Bread and wine, it's like, of mm. course you're going to fall asleep.
0: It's dark. There's no TV. You don't have a phone. <laughs> like, you're just chilling in a garden. Like, that's nap o'clock. I'm out. Mm. Uh, so sounds nice. Oh, so nice. It sounds like just a, a very nice evening. Uh, yeah, so, so Judas, Judas shows up. He shows up with a bunch of people. They got weapons and the priests are there. And Judas says that the man he kisses is the one to arrest. So he comes down and he kisses Jesus, which is like, you know, hot, but not in this context.
1: Mm. And
0: Jesus is like, get it over with. So the men come down to arrest Jesus. And then there's some people say it's Peter, but at least one person in Jesus's posse cuts the ear off one of the high priests with a sword. So then Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't fight these people, don't do that. All who draw the sword will die by the sword. And he's like, uh, I teach all day at the temple, but as soon as I, like, chill somewhere else, that's when you come find me and you come take me away. So, you know, the three of his disciples who were there, they let him be taken away. So he's, like, taken to, like, uh, where the priests are all, like, in charge, and they put on a sham trial. And they say, you're a blasphemer, and we're going to put you to death. So Peter follows Jesus to this place to, like, check up on him and see what's going on. So while he's there, Jesus gets beaten up. So Peter is just, like, waiting in the darkness to see what their verdict is going to be. So three separate people ask him, are you with Jesus? Are you with Jesus? Are you with Jesus? And he denies knowing Jesus three times even though they're like, you look like one of the guys who follows Jesus. And he's like, no, 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 I don't know that man. So then the rooster crows, and then Peter's like, fuck, Jesus was right. I did deny him three times. So he weeps. Mm. So they're just like torturing him and fucking him up through the night. At this point in time, Judas goes to the temple because he knows Jesus is going to be executed. And he throws the 30 pieces of silver back at them and is like, I've sinned against an innocent man. And they're like, I don't really care. That sounds like a personal problem. So Judas goes out and he hangs himself in a field. Hmm. Yeah. So the priests use this silver that he threw back at them, which is like blood money in their mind. And they buy a potter's field to bury foreigners in, which apparently fulfills like some prophecy from Jeremiah and like legitimizes like the veracity of Jesus is saying. But it's like a weird detail. And I'm like, all right. It's very specific, but okay. So, at this point in time, uh, they've done their own, like, sub-trial within their own, like, you know, religious group. So, and then they get Pontius Pilate involved. So, he's, like, actually an authority figure. So, they, like, bring Jesus to him, and they're, like, charge him. He is the king of the Jews. And so, this is Passover. So, there's, like, a thing at Passover where all of the people can vote to free one prisoner which is, like, a wild thing to think about. Like, what a wild, yeah. like, popularity contest. Like, I feel like that's how it is now whenever we have, like, you know, like a documentary, like, a true crime documentary about someone who's on death row. And it just becomes, like, a bunch of people, like, writing into the president to, like, pardon him. It's just, like, a weird yeah. popularity contest. I mean, so so they bring they bring Jesus out, and they bring out this dude Barabbas. So Barabbas is, like, this murderous, like, insurrectionist who's supposed to be killed, And so Pontius Pilate is like, who do you want freed? Do you want the king of the Jews freed or Barabbas? And all the people are like, bring us Barabbas. And it's like, damn, cold. These people were like the ones who were probably like cheering on Jesus like just the other day. Uh, So they free Barabbas. And Pontius Pilate is like, if you want to kill Jesus, I wash my hands of this. So he like dramatically washes his hands in front of everyone. He's like, his blood is on your hands. So he says, you know crucify him so jesus is flogged and so he's put in either a purple or a scarlet robe depending on which book of the bible it is and then he has a crown of thorns shoved on his head and then he's led throughout the entire city uh and he's being like mocked by uh like the soldiers they're like mock bowing to him and calling him the king of the jews just because they're dicks
1: and these are romans right
0: yes these are the roman soldiers who are doing it at this point in time Before, like, the other torture was, like, the other, um, like, priests.
1: And we learned from Scott that the Romans are just some bad dudes.
0: (laughs) Just some bad dudes doing some bad things. I mean, Romans, very oppressive people. Very fucked up. But, like, gotta love me some aqueducts. Like, mm. Mm. Very very organized as a system. Like, I I have a lot of respect for their order. They don't want to fuck with things. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I wouldn't really want to mess with this Jesus dude either. It sounds like a hassle.
1: Yeah. I mean yeah I get For it sure. person yeah. calling himself the king of the jews and the messiah they're like yeah. I'm just here to fight and kill people
0: look I just want to go out to the gauls so I can come back and have like a crazy party like that's all I want conquer Yeah hit the some Ooh those bathhouses ah oh, that sounds amazing <laughs> like that—that that must have been like the cleanest people were at, in like human history until like modern era, because it's like it was all downhill from there. Everyone just got grosser and grosser and just bathed less and less until like a hundred years ago. Not the Romans though—they don't fuck about.
1: Yeah, they just bathe in lead paint and stuff and all the good stuff.
0: <sighs> the lead paint. Yeah, that's something that like gets me. Is this like lead is truly a magical substance? But they knew they knew that lead was bad for you this isn't something that they didn't know it wasn't like they just happened to use it like they knew that it flaked off into things they knew that people got lead poisoning (laughs) like they knew it was super bad and they still like painted children with gold like lead paint and then the kids suffocated because of Mm. the lead on their skin like what the hell they didn't care they just didn't care just crazy Just absolute madness. Wow. Yeah. The parties must have been nuts. Definitely would have gone to a Roman party. Um, (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. Hands down. Definitely. But these aren't aren't the partying Romans. These are like the murderous Romans at this point. Yes, yes.
1: Uh, (laughs) One and the same.
0: So here's like a a detail which I think is interesting where Jesus doesn't carry his own cross. So like every Easter service that I saw, they always have like, you know, the reenactors and it's Jesus Mm -hmm. carrying his cross, but... This random dude named Simon is the one who carries the cross. Like, John is the only mm. book of the Bible that says that Jesus did carry his own cross. So, like, that's a bit of a, a mix-up, but I don't know. All so the other ones be say. that one. Eh. Eh. I mean, you could maybe, <laughs> maybe they both carried it. I don't know. But I'm going to go ahead and say that Simon carried it, which is not one of his disciples, but, like, some other random dude. And he carries it to the place of the skull. And I'm like, ooh, that's so cool so this is where jesus is gonna get crucified so this is like the spoiler alert spoiler alert (laughs) so so here's what gets me though so like they put him in these fancy clothes right just to like make fun of him so then they take the clothes away and then there's like the clothes he was wearing when he got there and then all of the soldiers draw lots for his clothes and it's like damn this dude's still alive and you're trying to like take his clothes like Mm. jesus well i can't say jesus (laughs) this (laughs) is so all of this happened before 9 a.m so all of this fucked up shit started thursday night it's now 9 a.m on friday like this is a crazy fast trial like wild turnover so they They charge him as being king of the Jews. Like, that's his crime. They put it on a plaque in three different languages on his cross. So they crucify him next to two rebels. So these criminals, um, one of them is like, remember me. And Jesus promises uh, that he'll go into uh, paradise. So uh, people start, like, jeering and goading and just yelling at him to, like, you know, if you're the son of God, get off the cross. So it's just not a good morning. By the time it's noon, there's total darkness, which is wild to me because it probably, if this is a is a correct recording, there probably was like a, a solar eclipse at the same time, which would be mm-hmm. like a wild celestial event. Like, that would be just truly yeah. crazy. But a terrible wow. lunch break. You know, it's noon. It's complete darkness. Not a good lunch break.
1: Like, <laughs> uh, shit. Did I mix up my times again?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No. How long have I been in this cubicle? (laughs) So by the time it's 3 p.m., Jesus yells, God, why have you forsaken me? And then he just clocks out. He's just done. He lasts six hours and he refuses any water or any wine or anything. And then he dies. So at this exact moment, uh, a curtain in the temple is torn. So this has like all sorts of significance about the destruction of the temple and then his metaphors about rebuilding it in three days. So it's like the centurion who was there observing him was like, damn, he was the son of God. This is something that no one talked (laughs) to me about in church, which is in the book of Matthew, the bodies of a bunch of like holy people were raised to life and just wandered around the city. And like no church service I've ever been to has ever brought that up. Hmm. I'm just like what this holy people wandering around i didn't know he's gonna resurrect a bunch of zombies uh so yeah, what yeah i don't know and it just doesn't come up again it's just real quick all right cool uh so so jesus is dead zombies be walking so then Pontius Pilate is really surprised that jesus died this quickly because like most people who get crucified they last a bit longer than six hours um hmm. so he probably like you know he got beaten up he probably had some other secondary causes so they're taking his body down to a tomb that night and while they're being taken him down uh one of the centurions like stabs him with a spear to make sure that he's dead so like a whole bunch of like fluid like gooshes out which is just real gross and is like kind of what a lot of Christians use as proof that he was actually dead because there was like the separation of his blood and it just sounds real nasty and if you've mm. played video games this is the Spear of Longinus. It's in Evangelion. It's like the oh, famous okay. spear. Um, yeah. Like a bunch of people say they have it. They definitely don't have it. The spear is definitely lost forever. But it's like a relic. Um, so Pontius Pilate sets some guards over this tomb because he doesn't want the disciples to steal Jesus's body and claim that he's been res- uh, resurrected.
1: Okay. And so, so wh- why why is he not buried?
0: People didn't really get, like, buried in the dirt back then. That wasn't really how people were buried. Like, most people were buried in caves. Like, that was where you, like, put bodies. So, like, um, Lazarus, when Lazarus is taken out, he's in the same thing where he was, like, you know, buried in a tomb for a while. And he was just, like, chilling in there. So, like, that's just how people, it's like an equivalent of a mausoleum, I guess. Yeah, so there's, like, a stone over the tomb. This is, like, set aside for him in, like, this crypt or whatever. So then 36 hours pass. It's Sunday morning. A bunch of, like, women are taking spices to Jesus' tomb for, like, you know, some cultural reasons I don't really understand, but, like, to cover up the smell and, like, mourn him. So, like, they get there. Like a there. proper
1: burial yeah, kind of thing.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Um. Uh, so a lot of the disciples are still too afraid to go to the tomb because they don't want to get arrested or in trouble. Um, mm. so the women are going cause women could, you know, they're just bold. They don't care. Uh, yeah. so at this point in time, Jesus is outie. He gone. So some angels show up, they terrify the fuck out of these ladies and they're like, Jesus is risen. And I really like this description, which is his appearance, like lightning. The guards were so afraid that they shook and became like dead men. So basically they just had seizures.
1: Uh, Damn.
0: Yeah. So, so everything's just broken. He gone. The ladies are like freaking out. So then, you know, the guards, they run off to the priests and they're like, this happened. And then the priests are like, no, say that the disciples stole the body. So this is like what? a win-win for Christians where it's like, they can say Jesus definitely was resurrected. It's just these people being told to say something different. Mm-hmm. So, like, all of these women who were coming, though, they were, like, you know, the firsthand witnesses that Jesus's body was gone and that none of the disciples had gone to, to you know, mourn Jesus here. So Mary Magdalene, um, she goes there and then she sees Jesus. So she thinks that Jesus is just, like, a gardener near these caves or whatever. And then um she realizes Jesus, you like, you know, falls down, blah, blah, blah. And so then she and the other women, they all come back to the disciples and they're like, you know, the cave is empty. His body is out. The stone is moved. I saw a man I thought was a gardener, but it was actually Jesus. And all these people are like, now you didn't. Shit didn't happen because no one believes women. Even 2000 years ago to this day, no one believes women. Mm. You know, thanks for nothing, Peter. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So then Jesus comes to say hi to like all of his disciples. And then they're like, holy fuck. This is a ghost. This is a literal ghost. And so he's like, nah, fools. And he's like, shows them like all of his wounds. And then he eats with them to prove that he's still alive. So then one of his disciples, Thomas, he's like, nah, I don't believe you. I'm not going to believe you unless I stick my hand in your wound." So like Jesus takes his hand and he sticks this dude's nasty ass hand into his like Mm. spear wound and like sticks his fingers into his like nail holes. And I'm just like, oh, this is like some Cronenberg level, like, body horror, like, oh, so oh. gross. Uh, so he tells them with the authority of heaven and earth is given to them to go out and baptize people and teach them all about Jesus. And it's like, this is like the whole evangelical mission to, like, go out and convert people to Jesus and tell them about his good, good work. So, I don't know. <laughs> Jesus just, like, chills out, talks to people, and later just, like, supermans himself up to heaven. <laughs>
1: like that day, like that sunday.
0: Uh, I don't really know about the timeline. I think it's like pretty soon cuz it it doesn't really say exactly when he does it. I don't know. Yeah,
1: I would that's something that I was like soon. always confused about. I'm like, yeah, he died and he comes back and then I'm like, what what happens after? Like what where what?
0: Yeah, what does he do for a while? Like what exactly <laughs> is happening when he comes back?
1: Cuz so like just like straight up chilling in the temple. I don't like even
0: <laughs> I don't even know. Because, like, that's the other thing is it's just, like, there's just so much that he, he he has going on in, like, his life and, like, his whole, like, resurrection and everything. And, like, so here's another thing that I think is really interesting. So specifically in the book of Mark, um, there are, like, 16, like, pieces of it. And then in the, the very last chapter, it's, like, broken into two parts, right, where there's, like, some early manuscripts that do not contain verses nine through 20 and nine through 20 is all of the stuff with mary magdalene and like him coming to all the disciples um and like in that version he's like taken up into heaven and seated at the right hand of god like immediately but in other versions that isn't quite as fast so it's like there's already even in the existing bible like an inconsistency about the timeline of when that happens and, like, if that's even in that book of the Bible. Huh. Yeah, some of them don't even say, like, he, Superman's out there. It just ends with him talking to the disciples. Yeah, like the book of Matthew. It just ends with him talking to the disciples. It's just... these, These four books are all wildly different books about the same dude and like very inconsistent like that's my thing where like reading all of them where like in the past when i thought i was a christian i would like read the entire body like bible sequentially and what i did this time is i read all four of them at the exact same time to like match up the timelines of all four books and it does not add Mm. up
1: (laughs) yeah i mean everyone has their own experience right there's just a bunch of dudes telling stories war stories basically
0: mm-hmm. for sure yeah but i don't know it's just I, I guess you know personally it's one of those things that i always struggle with and i realize there's like a bunch of translation issues and when you get all of these things like conglomerated into like a singular book but it's just kind of like i don't know
1: a lot of time missing <laughs> Some a, lot weird of time,
0: a lot of time missing a lot of things that are just like who decided this is what happens? Like the whole thing with communion, like that always like boggles my mind or like baptism where it's like some people get baptized as infants. And then there's like the whole confirmation thing where like some kids get confirmed and then baptized or like other people Mm. who do it as like adults. And then like people who get baptized like many times versus once. And I'm just like, Jesus doesn't say anything about any of this. So y'all are just making it up.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it seems that way seems yeah. like Jesus was making it up, too. He was just like, I think this is how we should live. Yeah. Hope hope you guys like it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe Jesus was just the original pothead, you know? Like, that's why he was constantly changing his mind. He was just doing whatever felt right that
1: week. <laughs> yeah, he was just a real chill dude yeah. who thought we could live better. Mm-hmm. And was like, go and tell about me. And like the whole like he died. I don't know, man. He maybe just passed out and was just like chilling in his tomb and woke up on Sunday and was like, "Oh, I'm I'm okay."
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's something that gets me about these stories, right? Cuz it's like really the only things we can know with absolute certainty about Jesus is that he existed and Pontius Pilate signed off on him being killed. Like those are the only two like mm-hmm. historical facts that can be like independently Verified, so that's the whole thing about like even as recently as like the 1800s, were like they didn't have any good ways of telling if people were dead, you know, like Jesus could have just mm-hmm. gone into shock on the cross right. and been breathing like really faintly, and they were like, Oh, well, I guess he kicked it and then like taken him there, and then he was just like passed out for a while and was able to like roll away the stone, or you know, it could have been exactly like what the priest said, where it's like he did die. The disciples did go and steal his body like that could have also Mm. happened.
1: Yeah, because like it isn't, you know, crucifixion positions your hands in such a way where like it restricts your diaphragm and your breathing. And so like passing out could be a real thing.
0: I mean, even aside from that, the the stress position, because that's what it sounds like to me is like a stress Mm. position that we would put people into torture that if he is severely dehydrated and he's been beaten and he hasn't slept all night mm. long, like, those are all recipes for, like, fainting or mm-hmm. just going into shock for a period of time.
1: Yeah, so yeah. maybe he's just, like, unconscious for a day and, like, woke up in the tomb on Saturday and just kind of, like, chilled for a bit. Yeah, recovered. recovered.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's... And
1: then spending, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, no way of knowing, no historical way of, like, verifying these things. It's, like, one of those those ideas, like, you have to take it on faith that all these things are correct and that God has willed it so that the books will be accurate throughout all history and teach you what you need to know, which, obviously, I don't buy. Like, I think it's a very interesting story, and I like a lot of his parables, like, as stories. Yeah, you, you just have to take it on faith. That's the only way you can do it. Like, what gets me, though, is, like, the ending is very important where it's like in you know islam and in judaism there isn't like a clear mandate to go out and convert people and if you compare that to what jesus did which is like go out and teach um and then at the end commanding them essentially to go out and like tell everyone and go out and convert people it's a very different path as a religion I don't know, it's just, like, a very, a wild, wild person. Because, like, a lot of the stories that I like about the Bible are in the Old Testament because they're all, like, demonstrably crazy. Like, you could just talk about these guys and be like, what is up with these people? But, like, the New Testament, it's, like, all Jesus' life, all the time. And then after these, like, four books, it's just, like, talking about, like, what peter did what paul did like all of their like church drama and then you just kind of have like this crazy book of revelations that like some people didn't even want to include in the bible because it's so wild and it's just like what even is the new testament
1: (laughs) it's just a collection of stories that they kind of threw together haphazardly
0: yeah for sure that like that's something that like That always gets me about the Old Testament versus the New Testament, which is, like, the Old Testament, like, includes the Torah, and the Torah is part of, like, the Tanakh, because I can't pronounce, like, Hebrew words correctly at all. And, like, all of that is, like, acknowledged to be part of the Quran. So that's, like, three separate huge major religions that all agree that the Old Testament is... Mm historical and valid and something that like is is important to all of them and then there's just like this splintering where you have like the quran and then you have like some newer jewish books that you know some people give or take and then you have like church of latter-day saints adding their own book onto it or like christian Mm. science adding their own thing onto it it's just like all of these things are just branching out from like this core idea of the old testament and that's just really interesting to me where it's like this core old testament belief is just permeated everything
1: hmm. yeah. it all started in the same place and then kind of branched
0: yeah i mean it's super old too like i need i need to do my research again but yeah the the old testament books with like the torah is just so old in terms of like how it was like translated and put together into like what was called the hebrew bible and just wild all wild That's it for the show today. Special thanks to Phil for help with audio production, composing the opening theme song, and laughing at all my stupid jokes. Email me at artcannotbeamonologue at gmail.com to send me your feedback or cute pet pictures. Check the description for our website link and our social media presence. In this year of our Lord and Savior 2021,
1: good luck and Godspeed. And then I'm going to pee myself because too much tea. Pee yourself. Don't pee yourself. I'm going to pee myself. I'm going to do it. You can't stop me.